This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and as I start my show, uh, you may have heard me uh, admonishing a certain guest that I have for this show. Uh, My cat decided to sit in my lap as I got started. So, we'll see how long this thing (laughs) sits with me. How long do you think you'll sit with me, huh, kitty? Probably not very long. Anyway... Hey, welcome to Dimland Radio. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's get started. Uh, I'll start with some good news first. Let's start with the good news first. The good news is uh, I got a call from my dad this week. He got a call from his uh, his healthcare provider, his, his the clinic that he goes to. Got a call saying, well, I don't think it was the clinic exactly, but it was the it was the company. The uh, it's Alina Health. That's who it is. He got a call from them saying that he has been selected to get his first dose of the COVID vaccine. I'm not sure which one it's going to be the the Pfizer or the Moderna. Don't know. Uh, he is scheduled to get it uh, just before the end of the month. I asked, "What about mom?" And he said, "Well, he asked them the same thing. What about my wife?" Oh, there goes Kitty now. All right. Well, it's nice visiting. See ya. Go ahead. Good girl. Anyway, I know you couldn't hear any of that, and I could have just left it away, but what, you know, it's, what's the big deal? Uh, anyway, so uh, my mom has not gotten her schedule yet, so uh, he he's going to bring her with him, but I doubt as though they're going to let her push ahead in line. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But uh, anyway... So he's going to get, he's got his first dose coming. So that is good news. Um, let's see. Um, I'm going to tell you uh, about uh, my sister's uh, ex-husband. He was a fellow named Kent. Uh, Kent uh, was uh, born in Venezuela, grew up there in his early years, but I think still as a boy, he uh, moved to the United States uh, and lived here. I think since then, and he he uh, well he had kidney uh, problems, and he had to get a kidney transplant when he was quite young. Uh, he uh, married my sister, and became part of our family. He was a uh, he was a good fellow. He you know he he could he was kind of funny and uh, he was very uh, um. Uh, very willing to play games with us and, and do things. In fact, uh, there was one Easter weekend when my when he and my sister came up 
from Chicago, because that's where they lived, uh, or near there anyway, uh, one Easter, I think it was, and it was at the time when the film Casablanca had been re-released to you know, select theaters. It, it, they, they had remastered the, the film or, you know, done, you know, cleaned it up and made it nice for its 70th, 70th anniversary or 75th anniversary. I'm not exactly certain which. And, uh, well, yeah, not exactly certain which. And he was visiting, and, and uh, I was asking everybody, I said, well, you know, you know, the theater, there's a theater in, in Minneapolis called the Uptown Theater that plays, that's the arty, arty movies, the independent movies, uh, that kind of stuff. And it was playing Casablanca, and I said, doesn't anybody want to go? Because <laughs> I wanted to see it. I'd, I'd seen the movie. I've had it on, on VHS. But I had never seen it in the theater, and it was a cool opportunity to do it, and I didn't want to go alone. And Kent said, I'll go. So the next day, he and I went and watched the movie, which was great. It was the, first, it was the only time I've ever seen it on a big screen. And I knew the movie was funny. I knew it had, uh, you know, not jokes in it, but it had, you know, it had humor throughout the film. And... Uh, I realized that, but when seeing it with an audience, I was struck with how funny the movie is. There's a wry sense of humor to that movie, and I guess it was the Epstein brothers uh, that worked on the film, that in on the script. There was, uh, I think, there were five writers that worked on that film, which is not always a good sign that you're going to get a good movie. But Casablanca is one of the one of the greats, one of the great movies. And seeing it with an audience, you got to hear people laughing at stuff and I just wow and I'm laughing along with them and I, I came away thinking I don't laugh like that when I watch it by myself but somehow with an audience it, there's a difference it's just a difference oh we miss those times don't we where it's still in this pandemic and we miss those times where we can get together as a, as a group of people you know, strangers but in the same room watching a movie reacting to it that's that's one of the great things about film is not just the what's presented on the screen, but a communal thing. And that's what we're missing these days. And boy, I hope we get it back when we are able to get back at it. Um, Kent uh, would, uh, he would cook us uh, some interesting meals. You know, he would, uh, he, uh, there was one, one of the best that he cooked for us was a paella, uh, which is a Spanish dish, I guess. And uh, it was great. It was excellent. I remember just thinking that was really good. Now, I'm, I, I, for much of my life, especially my younger life, I was not the most adventurous eater. But now, as a, when I got older, I was, I'd be willing to at least try something. I uh, may not like it because, well, he, he made something else uh, another time, and I, I believe they were called hayakas, but I can't for the life of me figure out how to spell it. And that might not, I, I'm pretty sure that's the name because we ended up kind of calling it high yuccas because it didn't exactly go over. <laughs> Most, that was the only time. All the other meals he'd made for us were great. And this one, well, it just wasn't to my taste. And everybody was a little bit, eh, you know, some thought it was okay and some, so, you know. But uh, Ken took it in stride. It was all right. Um, about, uh, I guess it would be about 20 years ago now, uh, my sister and he were still married uh, to, uh, to each other, and uh, Amy and I were engaged, and it was in that time period that uh, the kidney that he had was beginning to fail. 
So he needed to go on dialysis, needed to get on the list to get another kidney. And, uh, you know, we were hoping that that could happen. And my, and my sister just uh, became his, you know, his caretaker and just made sure that he was doing everything he needed to do to, you know, to live <laughs> until he could get another kidney. Uh, when Amy and I got married, which will be 20 years ago, uh, come October this year, it'll be 20 years we've been married, um, Kent was there with my sister. Uh, he was, uh, he, he didn't look well, but he was holding it together. He, he was doing okay. He was, he looked, he'd lost some weight, and you know, he, but he was, you know, he's doing okay as far as, well, as okay as you could expect. But he wasn't really well. Um, and fortunately, very soon after, uh, after Amy and I got married, I can't remember exactly when, but um, the, the good news came. You know, we, there's a kidney for you. Got a kidney for you. And he, and he got the transplant, and he, he bounced back in his health, and he was much better. Uh, but shortly after that, uh, he and my sister divorced. Um, I, I, there are reasons I know about. I'm sure I don't know all the reasons for it. I'm not going to go into them here, but um, you know, it happens. You know, marriages end sometimes, and it, it happens. Uh, she's since remarried to uh, a fellow that uh, teaches at the same university she does. He's a good guy, too. He's an oddball, but he's a good guy. I like him a lot. And I liked uh, Kent a lot. It was uh, it was sad when you know, when they get divorced, but you know that's the decision they made, and uh, we support our sister. My, you know, I support my sister, and you know she's family. What are you going to do? And uh, so uh, we fell out of touch with Kent. Um, he had a sister, and her name was Olga, uh, but she would go by Olgita. Is her nickname. She uh, was also, uh, well, born in Venezuela. In fact, uh, she still lived there. And she came to the States uh, to visit my sister and, and, her, and, and Kent uh, when they were living near Chicago. And that was around Christmas time. So the three of them came up to Minnesota to have Christmas with the family. And they were going to uh, stay at my parents' place. And I happened to also still live there. I was in my 20s. I think Olgita was 40-ish. I can't remember now. 30s, late 30s, 40-ish. I, I, I'm not certain what she was at the time. But uh, um, you could tell that, uh, that she hadn't lived most of her life in the States because her accent was much more pronounced than Kent's. Um, in fact, you know, Kent, you know, they both spoke English well, uh, Kent very well, and of course he's fluent in Spanish, so that was cool. And uh, he, he, he influenced me on one thing, on one word, one word, that I still will say it in, in this fashion today. I will say the word fellow as fellow. <laughs> uh, you know, in America, you kind of get that, uh, the Americanism of the word fellow being fella. Look a here, fella. Now I'll do that. I'll I'll say that. But more often than not, I find myself saying "fellow," and he would he would say that uh, to their dog. Uh, he'd go take the dog for a walk, and he'd say, "Come on, fellow," 
Uh, the dog's name was Rocky. Come on, fellow, let's go for a walk. And I and I remember that sounded odd to me because we're, I was used to hearing fella. Come on, fella, let's go. Um, but it just I, I started saying fellow more, and now you know, and now I find myself thinking of that. Well, Olgita, uh, we were, I don't know, after dinner, sitting around the dinner table, I think we were having some wine or something, and we made a toast, and said, Merry Christmas, uh, something like that, and I I looked over to Olgita, and I said, uh, Feliz Navidad, and she just went, she just got all weepy, <laughs> but happy, and she just, whoa, just, oh, I miss my home, and she gets up, she comes over and hugs me, and, and I, I was, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you hugging me? Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> but then, um, uh, later that evening, now my bedroom was down in the basement, and my older brother and I were down there talking about something, and Olgita came in, and the three of us were talking, and and she was... I, I, I don't remember her being overtly flirtatious, but there was a certain flirtatiousness to her. And... Bob, my brother Bob, and I would look at each other like, uh, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> now, I've, I've chatted with Bob this, this evening, and he said he knew what was going on there. I'll tell you in a moment. Uh, but then, um, everybody went home, except, yeah, well, except for, uh, for Kent and my sister. They, they were staying, and Olgita was staying, and of course, I lived there, and I was in the basement. And, um, I was told this by my mother sometime later. Um, she says, you know, Kent took Olgita aside and he had a little talk with her and he said, you are not to do a middle-of-the-night visit to Jim's bedroom. <laughs> oh? Oh, uh, why not? <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> So, you know, I was a little disappointed, but I was more relieved <laughs> than anything else. I think it was in my mind uh, when I went to bed that night. I thought, Jesus, she's not going to, she's not going to, nah, that's not going to happen. It's me. That doesn't happen to me. It's me. That doesn't happen to me. No, no, of course. And it didn't happen to me because so, it's me. And it was when I was chatting with my brother this evening, and he said, uh, well, uh, Kent had talked to him and said that she was... She really wanted to come to America and live in America. And she was sort of uh, looking for ways to, to get here. And uh, so that's, that's why she was uh, being attentive to, uh, to he and I. He and me. Whatever. To the two of us. <clears throat> well, just this morning... Uh, my sister Nancy uh, sent us a text. Uh, the siblings, we have a group text going to, you know, make sure that we keep up on what's going on with mom and dad, and to talk about what decisions we might need to make, and just keep in touch with each other. And uh, she texted me, uh, us, this morning, and said that um, that Kent had died, and we're, we're not exactly certain when. Uh, Might have been yesterday. Uh, Nancy thinks it was yesterday and he had been in the hospital with some heart trouble and he was recovering and going into rehab uh, when he took a turn for the worst. Uh, he was 71 years old 
at least my younger brother said he was 71 so um, I'm pretty sure he's right uh, I, I didn't know for sure I knew he was a bit older than my sister but um, it's kind of sad uh, it would be more impactful I hate to say that but it'd be more impactful if he were still part of the family uh, we'd lost touch with him for years uh, my sister even though they they lived in the same city um, she said she had she hadn't seen him in years but uh, she has a friend that used to work with him and there's mutual friends and so she's she's was finding uh, she's gonna find out some information and just to flesh it out for us I asked her I said you know what day he died and I said I don't I don't know why I want to know specifically I just I just want to know uh, I think knowing the date it was I, you know so we mark the calendar and, you know it's just it's just that so I've been thinking about uh, Kent today, um, and uh, 71 is too young. It's too young. I'm going to take my first break. It's a little early, I know, but what the hell? I'm going to take my first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network at ctalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I will be back after this break. To Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Hello. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Talk Radio Network at ctalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Emerald ash borer. That is an insect. 
it's an invasive insect in uh, invasive in Europe and North America. Uh, it it's this green little bug that um, originally uh, came from Asia, made its way over to North America. It was first discovered in in the Detroit area in Michigan in about 2002 or 2002. Uh, it it loves ash trees. Boy, does it love the ash trees. Uh, ash trees hate the emerald ash borer because the emerald ash borer kills ash trees. Uh, what they do is they uh, the females will leg uh, will lay their eggs um, in you know crevices and cracks and such in a, in, a, in ash trees, and the the eggs will hatch out underneath the uh, underneath the bark, and the larvae will begin to bore into the tree. They'll feed under there, uh, feed on the bark, and they'll leave tracks under, around there and all sorts of things. Uh, and the feeding will uh, uh, hinder the tree's ability to transport, transport water and nutrients that it needs. And it can, uh, well, it'll um, uh, lose, it will not leaf out so well, and the bark will split and the trees uh, become in danger of uh, just dying outright. Um, the ash tree is one of the most abundant trees in North America. There's uh, estimated to be between seven to nine billion ash trees. Um, but the but it's figured that uh, since 2002, uh, tens of millions of trees throughout the states and in Canada have been destroyed by the emerald ash borer. Uh, I'll link to the site that I get this from. It's uh, I get it from arborday.org. I'll link to the site. You can get to that by going to dimland.com and clicking on the show notes. Um, and it, they figure that about 40 million ash trees have been destroyed in just in, just in Michigan. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty awful <laughs> what it does. A couple of years ago, long-time listeners of my show may recall that I talked about something that happened over in my parents' neck of the neighborhood. Uh, there were, I don't know, three or four, uh, two or three blocks around there that had a lot of ash trees on the boulevards. And the city had to come along and remove them because part it's a, it's a danger that they would die out, fall over. Uh, and then there was, you know, the, you know, spreading the ash borer. It's just... It's, it's pretty bad. Uh, and when... Because I started seeing these uh, spray-painted rings around the trunk. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, just spray-painted a ring around the trunk. And I thought, what is that? And then I realized, oh, that means that those trees are going to be removed. And I looked around and I said, boy, it seems like it's every tree on the boulevard on this block. Oh, and on this block, too. And when they took them out, it was weird. Because suddenly there's sky. You know, there, there was sky there before, of course, but it, there's just no trees. It's, uh, there's some trees in people's yards, there's some maples around, some oaks around, you know, other kinds of trees, but the, the ash trees were the ones that were just all over the place. And they're gone. 
and it's just and and this and the city came through and planted new trees uh, as soon as they could. Uh, hopefully, they did a mix of trees. It's not all the same kind of tree because you know what's the next infestation that'll come along and destroy those trees. And we go through this whole thing again. It's going to be decades, if ever, because I don't know how those trees will f will fan out when they get old, uh, when they get bigger or get mature. Uh, but it, it, you just—it's going to take decades for it to be to to look like it ha like it did. I mean, it's just gone. So uh, that was a couple of years ago over my parents' neighborhood. Oh, and in fact, uh, um, a side effect was noticed by my dad uh, and and his neighbor. They were talking about this. They said the squirrels are just so active. There's so many squirrels, and it dawned on them. Well, of course, there's so many squirrels because they took away all these trees so the squirrels are looking for somewhere to go so they're finding the trees in the yards and they're you know, they're doing that so that's why they're seeing so much more squirrel activity it might level out because the squirrels might move along to where there are other ash trees still uh, existing and i bring this up because uh, well last fall maybe late october early november i can't remember which it was after the leaves had all come out of the trees uh, there's a street just a couple blocks from us. It's called Ivy Street. And there's two blocks worth of ivy that have uh, ash trees running along either side of the street, right along on the, on the boulevard, boulevards, right along this, that street. And they, what they are, they've gotten big enough and mature enough and, and they've fanned out enough so that the trees reach across the street to each other. And when they're leafed out, it's a canopy across, you know, going above that street. And it's really cool. It's really pretty. It's beautiful, especially in fall when the, when the, when the leaves are changing color. They get this bright orange and yellow. And stuff. It just it looks fantastic. And it's canopied and it's, it gives a lot of shade to the street. It's great. And as I said, it was uh, last late October, early November, I saw the spray paint of green around rings around the trunks of the trees. And I drove down the, the two blocks, and it's virtually every tree along that, along that stretch of, of, of Ivy Street. Just virtually every tree. Uh, I estimate about 40 trees, give or take. And I thought, oh, crap. So I, I took the opportunity to take a picture. It's not going to have quite the effect as when they're all leaf, leafed out or in, in summer or the fall look of them. I wish I would have known this was coming. I would have taken a picture of them in the summer, taken a picture of the fall with all the nice colors, taken a picture with the leaves out, and then uh, uh, taken the picture that I took earlier this week. I took it yesterday morning with all of them gone. There's something like two or three trees still on the boulevards along that stretch, but everything, it's, they're gone. And it's, it's so sad. Uh, uh, you know, I saw that, you know, it was last week or the week before when the, the crews started coming out and started taking them down. It was gonna be a process of a few days to get them all down. It must have been last week. And then into this week, and um, 
Thursday morning, I had the chance to to stop. It was super cold this morning. <laughs> We're having a nice cold stretch. Not the polar vortex cold, but close. Cold enough. I mean, the temp high temperature today in the Twin Cities was minus 4 degrees. That was the high. So, um, yeah, this morning I went over and I, I stood close to the same spot that uh, when I took the earlier picture, the before picture. And I took that picture today. And I'll put them on the show notes page. It's it's just it's just devastating. You look at them and it's yeah it's going to be decades and they'll plant trees in the spring, but it's going to take so long for anything to get anywhere near what we had. Um, this is something that uh, that has happened before here in America and I guess in in, in Europe and England at least. Um, with uh, with the elm trees, there was Dutch elm disease, and the, the trees would be infected with something. I don't know if it came from an, uh, an insect or, or what, but the trees got infected and they were going to die, and they had to be removed. So back this was late 60s into the 70s, I believe, and, it, and the same thing was happening. You had these neighbor neighborhoods with these old trees, huge, beautiful trees just taken away and it's happening again um, the uh, arborday.org tells you you know what can you do and it says uh, you know this the symptoms of uh, emerald ash borer is that uh, you see a thinning or dying of the ash tree crowns that's the uh, the top of the trees with the leaves which I th we may have an ash tree in our backyard and it's not leafing out very well we may have to have that taken down at some point. Um, there are suckers at the base of the tree. That's the little bits of tree that comes up, you know, little bits that come off of the, on the bottom. I, you know, it always bothers me when people allow that to happen on their trees on their boulevards. And it's just like, go out and cut off the suckers. Cut them off. <laughs> it's just, they, they look terrible. Uh, I do that with, uh, we have these trees that were planted out in front of uh, our tree planted out in front of our house uh, the spring after we moved here and it has little lower you know it's it's it, uh, I don't want any lower branches coming out the little suckers will start to come off in the spring and I'll go and I'll pull them off that's just so just to keep everything up no I, I don't need little branches coming out of the lower ends of the trees I, I trim all those off uh, anyway um, and if you see any tunneling under the bark if you can get a chance to look under the bark, or D-shaped exit holes and woodpecker activity. Now that's another sign about our tree in the backyard. we got woodpecker activity there. Uh, we may have to look into it this, this summer to have this tree removed. Uh, it's probably going to cost you know, enough. But we may have to look into it because uh, not only the woodpeckers go after the tree, they come after our house. Come on! Um, there's a number that you can call. I'll link to the site so you can check out the link. Um, it, it wants you to, you to record the area where you found the insect and take photos of the insect. If you do find an emerald ash borer insect, and I think I've seen them around in our yard, um, along with any damage. Don't move firewood from your property or carry it across state lines. Uh, buy firewood, uh, firewood from local sources and burn it where you buy it. Buy kiln-dried firewood. 
and before spring burn your remaining firewood supply to eliminate the chance of uh, emerald ash borer spreading to live trees just in case there's any things like dormant inside your tree and then they come out and you know get on the live trees and start laying their eggs it's really sad to see what's what's happened Uh, let's see. Just kind of looking at what I, what I'm doing next on the show. I'm an Ashbore. Keep your okay. <laughs> Boy, this is okay. I've been, I've been seeing this on Facebook. There's a there's an ad for Keeps.com. I guess Keeps.com is a is a uh, um, a website that offers um, it offers uh, products for men so that they can keep their hair. Don't st stop losing their hair. And there's a one of them. One ad. It it says uh, it's 90% effective at treating hair loss. And it has a picture of a young fellow, probably in his 20s. He looks like to me, but everybody's looking so damn young to me now. <laughs> Uh, most everybody is. Uh, it has a, a heading to the picture. It says, I was almost bald. And it's a, this fella, he's standing. Uh, uh, you see a close-up of his face. It's a, it's a larger picture with an inset picture of the, of the same guy. Looking straight onto the camera. Behind him is one of those like those pegboards or whatever where you can put up you know, tools and stuff. So he's, got, like, he's, he's at his workbench in the basement probably. And behind him is, you know, are these tools. Now he's wearing glasses. Uh, the glasses are the same glasses in both pictures. His he has a little bit of a beard. Seems to be about the same length in both pictures. It's hard to tell, but it seems like it's the same length. It's just a little bit of growth, like a two three days growth. And in the bigger picture, he's got what looks like a full head of hair. Good for you. In the inset picture, he looks almost bald. Unless you look at the picture. <laughs> what, what they have in that picture is his hair has been shaved down to about an eighth of an inch. It's been shaved. His head's been shaved. And I commented on the ad. On, this was on Facebook. I commented, wow. Yeah, I said, uh, I said, wow. If someone shaves their head and lets it grow back, they look like they have more hair. Stunning. In fact, I mean, I look at this and I think the guy's face is at the same angle, straight on. I was looking to see if maybe uh, his uh, his after picture with his hair grown in, if his if he's tilted his head forward a little bit, uh, then then from the before picture where he's almost bald. But no, it seems really, you know, very close to the same pose. The lighting's the same. And and then when I look closely at, and now I'll put this picture up on the show notes page. You can take a look at it. Look closely. His his you you you. It looks like he's got so much more hair, but really he doesn't. In the after picture, it looks like he has so much more hair, but it's just that. It's well, it's grown, but it, it hasn't filled in really. 
It really hasn't. I mean, when you look at the little picture in there, it looks like well, he's got those those on on either side of the of the what would be the widow's peak era area of of your hair. Okay, and you got men tend to have their hair recede on either side of that. I mean, mine's done that. Um, and it looks like you know, it looks like he's had it recede, and there's that 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 part right at the top in the middle seems to come down a bit more. It does, and it looks like it comes down, but the top of his head is just in the before picture. It's just a, you know, a fraction away from the top of his hair, because the hair is like like cut down to about an eighth of an inch, maybe maybe a little bit more than an eighth of an inch, maybe a quarter, not quite a quarter, I think, but but. You, so this, if you look at the other, the after picture, it, it he hasn't gained, it, the hair hasn't encroached on the on those areas. It's just that they've grown. It's it's it hasn't come down. His his it, the the top of his head is still at the same place under that hair, as it is in the before picture. In fact, I hope that makes sense to you. I hope that makes sense. That in those those two spots where it looks like it's receded on the before picture. Those two spots really don't go back or it haven't haven't filled in really uh, in the after picture. They haven't really filled in because the top of his head is still at about the same place. It's, it's, it, it's just that you can push your hair ahead a little bit so it might look like it fills in a tiny bit, but really it's not much. And what I'm saying when I said in fact, what I was going to was in fact, I have a sneaking suspicion that the before picture is the after picture. The lighting's the same. He's wearing the same glasses. He has about the same, you know, it looks like he has the same facial hair growth in, in both pictures. He's posed the same way. To be able to have this take the time to grow in uh, there, there, it'd be difficult to get the same pose, the same lighting. It'd be difficult. Not impossible, but it'd be difficult. But it'd be easy if they take the, the after picture, then shave his head, and take the before picture. Maybe they didn't do it that way. Maybe I'm being cynical. But that's my suspicion. And I suspect that I've come up to my next break. I will be back. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, sit tight. I'll be back. Other guys. The finger. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network.
Influenza season is upon us and it can be a killer. But it's not too late to vaccinate. Usually, most cases of influenza in Minnesota don't even occur until January or February, and the season lasts all the way through April. Get a flu shot now, and you'll protect not only yourself, but those around you. See your doctor or visit mdhflu.com to find a flu clinic near you. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. What was that break, like 30 seconds? My goodness, that was nothing. What the hell? Gets done so quick, I barely had a chance to take a sip of my beer. And speaking of hair loss miracles, or hair restoration miracles, there's this piece of bullshit I saw on Facebook. We need to get a look at this at this image. Some fellow named David DiMuzio. It's a sponsored thing, so I can say his name. It's a it's a sponsored posting on Facebook. You know, they got that underneath. They, they try to make it look like oh, here's just somebody, you know, posting on Facebook. But they, then you see that sponsor. At least they have to do that. They have to tell you this is an ad. But if you're not paying attention, it looks like it's just some dude. Some dude named David is sharing this wonderful thing. You know, I, I was losing my hair. Yeah, in, in my early 20s. And after three transplants, you know, I discovered this wonderful device. And this wonderful device is a stupid... You've got to be stupid to fall for this. I mean, if I'm wrong, let me know. Email me at drdim at dimland.com and say, no, no, these really work, but you have to be able to prove it to me. You have to be able to show me the evidence, and it better be good. And I look at this damn thing, and I think, this is stupid. This guy has, a, has this plastic helmet on his head that lights up underneath. And he calls it laser. It's laser light. And it's, come on! This shining lasers or just light on your hair is going to get it to grow back. Come on. You know, if you believe that, I got some land I'd like to sell you. It's a little marshy, a little boggy, a little swampy, but hey, you can build a house on it. A castle. You can build a castle on it. It'll sink into the swamp. Then just build another castle, and that's sinking in the swamp. And maybe you build another castle, and that castle will stay up. Maybe. Ten points, if you know that reference. Okay, so uh, uh, there's some interesting news, and it's encouraging news. I first heard of this uh, listening to, or I was watching, the uh, Skeptic Gu- Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, their Friday Night Live uh, streaming on YouTube. They, the, 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 the guys get together uh, and they talk about things. It's a loose thing. It's not, it's not quite like their show. 
they have some ideas for some content, but they just want to be loose and kind of get into things. And they get a little more political on there, and they let the f bombs fly, and they, you know, they they do that kind of stuff. Um, they don't do a lot of f bombing, but uh, they do some. And um, it was uh, Bob Novella. He is uh, one of the brothers of the host of the show, Steve Novella. The other brother is Jay, and that that are on the show. And Bob said that there was this news, I think it was he that brought it up, or maybe one of them brought it up. The news that it came out that um, GM, General Motors, has, uh, has committed to going, to going electric by 2035. They're going to pull a Bob Dylan. They're going to go electric. I wonder if anybody's made that joke. Somebody's got to have made that joke. That's, I, that can't be original. I can't be that clever. That's a dad joke, isn't it? Anyway, by 2035, all their vehicles will be electrical, electric vehicles. No more internal combustion engines for them. General, uh, I'm reading this article by Paul Eisenstein uh, on NBCNews.com. I'll link to it on the show notes. Uh, General Motors plans to completely phase out vehicles using internal combustion engines by 2035. Chairman and Chief Executive Officer Mary Barra announced Thursday. Uh, this is this be in late January because this article is from January 28th. So I don't know which Thursday that would be. The automaker will go completely carbon neutral at all facilities worldwide by 30, 2035. Uh, Barra has uh, frequently touted G GM's plan for uh, an all-electric future. Recently increasing to 30 the number of pure battery electric vehicles it will launch by the middle of this decade. But this marks the first time the largest Detroit automaker has set a hard target for completely phasing out gas and diesel engines for all light-duty vehicles including pickups and SUVs. GM is work, also working on clean technology for heavy-duty trucks. On Wednesday, GM announced it will provide fuel cell technology for Navistar, uh, Navistar International Corporation, and it is looking for other applications of the hydrogen technology it is developing as part of a joint venture with Honda. I look to see if... Uh, if uh, Ford has something like this going, or Chrysler, but I couldn't find that they do exactly, but I gotta believe they're gonna follow suit. And that's cool. I, I mean, I would like to get an electric car. I said to my wife, I said, you know, the next car, an electric car, would be would be nice. Um, there's also uh, the, there's also Cal the state of California. Um, they want to. They, they've set a goal of being of. 100% of new vehicle sales in the state will be electric vehicles, and that's also by 2035. They want to do that. Uh, you know, global climate change is real. The evidence points to it being mainly caused by human beings, and this is part of the solution. There's other things that need to be done, but this is part of the solution. Um, it, it it just it's just uh, it's just encouraging news. It's interesting news uh, to hear uh, hear it from uh, from GM. Such a a big it's a big deal. It's a big deal when it comes to cars and trucks and such.
Speaking of gas, I saw this meme on Facebook a while back. It was uh, it, it it shows a uh, young woman who is gassing up her car, but she's and it says underneath it because uh, it's a little unusual where she's gassing up the car. Well, she's at a gas station, but I mean where on the car she's gassing it up. It says, "Who remembers pumping gas behind your license plate?" Now I've never had a vehicle that that did that but I do recall those cars and I think I have gassed up a car that had that it wasn't my car but I think I have or at least I witnessed someone doing that with their car you know you just the license plate will come forward and there's the gas cap and the little funnel thing that you put the you put the pump thing in there you know and it pump the gas in through the back but what what struck my attention here was the the gas pumps are behind her with the gas prices on top of them. And uh, uh, the gas prices they show are the uh, regular gasoline. That's leaded gasoline. So that goes back to when there was still lead in gas. Then there's unleaded, and then there's premium. The leaded gasoline is $1.30 a gallon. The uh, unleaded is $1.36, and the premium is $1.46. Now, I use the $1.36 price as my base here to tell you this. Today, gas is really cheap. It is really cheap. Okay? And I did some numbers here. Now, first I had to try to figure out what year this, this picture is from, whereabouts. And I, I don't know anything about cars, so I have no idea what the years of these vehicles that you can see in here. I've, I don't know what kind of cars they are. One's a station wagon. You can see in the background there's a pickup truck with a with a camper on the back, uh, a topper on the back, it looks like. Uh, I think that's what it is. Or it could be a Bronco or something like that. I'm not sure. There's a motorcycle attachment on the back. And then the car that she's putting gas in, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I don't know. It's a car. Um and judging by what she's wearing, she looks like she's wearing uh, she's wearing jeans with a high waist. She's got a long sleeve T-shirt on underneath a uh, uh, kind of a, a, a halter top sort of thing. Uh, well, it has uh, uh, short sleeves over it, and she's got it tied around her waist, like the the the, the shirt tails are tied around her waist. And hanging in front of her, and judging by her hair and looking at her, it's just like this is she's kind of in that holdover from the 70s into the 80s look. So she's it looks it looks like it could be in late you know 79, 80, 81, somewhere maybe somewhere in there. But I took the gas price, and I looked to see when you know gas price averages that on a on a gas price averaging site. That goes through. I goes. I don't know what year it goes back to, but it does go far enough back to uh, to 1981, where the gas price was about a dollar 36 a gallon, the average price. Now I don't know where she is in the country in this picture. Gas prices might have been higher out in California, and they might have been lower than that in you know in the in the in the southern you know like in Texas or something in the areas of the country where there's more oil production and the gas is a little cheaper down there maybe. Uh, whatever. Uh, but if that's going by the national average, was the numbers I found, it looks like 1981 is a 
pretty good guess for here. So I use that as the date to figure out these prices and compare them to what we pay now. And I used an inflation, inflation calculator doing the Google, found an inflation calculator, and I found out some prices. So uh, it was a dollar, so we're going with a dollar 36 in 1981. A gallon of gas at a dollar 86 in 1981 would cost today three dollars and89 cents. Now we've had that kind of gas price here in Minnesota. Not, uh, not that long ago. I think when Obama was president, it got damn close to four bucks a gallon, if not four bucks a gallon. Uh, there, are pro there may be parts of the country today that have gas prices that are fairly close to that uh, today, but I'm not sure. I don't know what the national average is, but I, I will then tell you, you know, the, the, the prices I'm seeing here in the Twin Cities right now is I see 229 $239 for a gallon of gas. That's two dollars and thirty-nine cents, American dollars and American cents. Uh, so if you take today's prices, those two prices, and you put in the put it in the uh, the inflation calculator to see what the price would have been, what that would represent in 1981, it would be eighty cents or eighty-three cents a gallon. So the price in 1981 for a gallon of gas was $1.36. Today, it's equivalent to $0.80 cents a gallon or $0.83 cents a gallon if we were paying the same price, you know, if, if not for, you know, the adjusted for inflation. It's this, it, it's, it's crazy. That's cheap. That is cheap. Gas. Gas is cheap. So... I just thought that was interesting. I hope you did too. Speaking of license plates, because <laughs> you know, put the gas behind the license plates, we had to get new license plates for our car, our Kia Soul. We have a 2014 Kia Soul. It's the one Soul we own, other than the soles of our shoes and soles of our feet. That's it. We don't have any other souls in this house um, or in the garage. And. Um, the, and the reason I bring it up because our license plate that we had, we, we gave us the name for our car, Mr. T, because we had MRT on the license plate. I won't give you well, I can give you the full number now, but why? But because uh, every seven years in Minnesota, I think it's every seven years, you get new plates. And it was taking a while because we get these little tabs, little stickers that you put on every year. You pay a certain number, a certain amount of tax, and they send you out. A tab that you put it on your on your vehicle that tells the police your 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 license plate your vehicle is registered you've paid the tax here's the sticker you're good for a year. Well, after seven years, they give you new plates, and it was taking a while to get the stickers. And I started thinking, okay, it's a it's a it's a 2014 car, probably the original plates on the car. Hmm, I wonder if we're getting new plates. And sure enough, we got new plates. I won't tell you what it is, but it's not MRT. It's not Mr. T. So it's going to make that Mr. T sticker, window cling sticker that we have in the back window, it's going to make that uh, a little curious. Why do you have a Mr. T sticker? Well, because that's the name of our car. Why is that? Well, it used to be on the license plate, but we got different ones. Oh. And 
I'll have more to talk about this about the Kia Soul next week, but I received uh, a recall notice, and it's a safety issue about the engine. And it gives some indications of what could be happening with the engine, and if these things are happening with the engine, it could be trouble, and you should get it in, you know, you should bring it in for a recall, even if these things aren't happening, so they can test the engine to see if it needs to be repaired or replaced. And a few of the items on that list that uh, might be happening to cars, we've noticed happening with ours. So Monday morning, when it's super cold, it's going to be super cold Monday morning, going to bring the car out to the Kia dealership nearby and drop it off, and they're going to test it out, and we hope that we get a new engine out of the deal because it would be no cost to us to do it. So I'll let you know next week when I know, but uh, we'll see. Uh, before I go, I want to give you a cool thing. It's a podcast. It's called the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes Podcast. Uh, in in 1984, Granada TV, which is a, a television producer company, production company in the UK, had started putting out uh, pretty faithful to the original stories of uh, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, Sherlock Holmes stories. Um, started putting them out, uh, it, and it starred Jeremy Brett as Sherlock Holmes, and he's fantastic. And the stories are very authentic to the time. They feel very authentic to the stories. There are some adjustments made, some editorial choices, some artistic choices where they changed a little bit here and there from, from Conan Doyle's original stories. But the feel is right, and it's just really great. And so there's these two brothers, Gus and Luke. They're filmmakers, and they're Sherlock Holmes fans. They decided to start doing this podcast where they would examine and give an, you know, they play clips from each episode to talk about the scenarios of each show, and they talk about how you know how great Jeremy Brett is, uh, and uh, and how great David Burke, the uh, first actor who played Watson through the first season, and then for the rest of the shows, the seasons, uh, another actor named Edward Hardwick played Watson. And just how good they are, and how great these episodes are, and you know some are a little lesser than others, but they just have a good time with them. They interview some people. They got to interview Stephen Fry. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, it's really good. The uh, the host, uh, the the main brother uh, that uh, takes you through each episode before the two brothers get together and talk about the episode. Uh, his name is Luke, and Luke has a has a very uh, uh, unique pattern of speaking. It's like he talks like this about what he's talking about on the show. Jeremy Brett, then, you know, Sherlock Holmes, then tells Watson, be sure to get your revolver. This may be a dangerous night. And I listen to it at 1.5 speed. <laughs> so he's got that da-da, 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 da-da kind of thing, a uh, way of saying a sentence. So at full, at regular speed, it's probably more like da, 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 ba, 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 ba. It's just, it, he has that. And it, it <laughs> that's just a nip. It's still, it's a cool, cool show. I wouldn't want to make him self-conscious about it. I think you should check it out. I think it's pretty damn cool. Um, it's called the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes podcast, and I'll link to their website on the show notes page. Go to dimland.com, click on the show notes, and you'll get to all of it. 
And yeah, it's. I think it's. If you're a fan of Sherlock Holmes, you should check out those those episodes. Find them. There a lot of them are on YouTube. You can watch them there, uh, and listen to these guys talk about it. I think, and they come up with all kinds of neat little background information about the actors, about uh, production, and all this stuff. It's really cool. Really thought out. It's worth your time. Check it out. Good night, doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Gee whiz, we came to the end of another show. I uh, hope I didn't end it too early. <laughs> but uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network and ZTalkRadio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Wash your hands, wear a mask, keep your distance, stay home when you can, get that vaccine when it comes out, and always remember to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.